Welcome to Pints and Pelvic Floors, a podcast designed to normalize the discussion around all things pee, poop, sex, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Noble, owner of Pelvic Pride Physical Therapy and Wellness, an LGBTQ-owned transgender safe space and clinic for all. Grab a pint and come as you are as we uncover the myths around our genitals and destigmatize normal body functions, as well as normalize asking for help. So raise your glass because it's a beautiful day to save pelvic floors. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Pints and Pelvic Floors. Hope you enjoyed the last episode talking all about a tight versus weak pelvic floor. Today, we're going to jump off of that and go into something that we get a lot of questions on, especially in the public health world, and that is what is the deal with Kegels? Um, actually, the first question I get is, do I say Kegels or Kegels? It doesn't really matter. Um, I kind of use them interchangeably. But the um, exercise itself was first described in 1948 by Arnold. I think his name is probably Arnold Kegel. Um, he first described pelvic floor strengthening. So he got credit with the name of this exercise. So Kegel, Kegel, it really doesn't matter. Um So we're going to go a little bit into what is the deal with these exercises? What are they? Are they good? Are they bad? Um, Should I be doing them? Should I not be doing them? And kind of just like, how do they become such a hot topic? So, um, you know, as a person who grew up with magazines and getting Cosmo magazine, there's a ton of things talking about like, do your Kegels and make your pelvic floor stronger and make sex better and all these things. Meh, Cosmo, you weren't exactly right on that one. Um, not a big shock to anyone who's in a medical field that watches something that they um, are an expert in be plastered into more mainstream um, media like that. It's typically not accurate unless they start actually going to the sources, to the providers who are working in the field and asking them. But a lot of times it's just kind of like a one quick quote and move on. So let's talk about what is the deal with the Kegel exercise. So in isolation, this is just a pelvic floor contraction that is requiring you to, uh, squeeze and lift. So close the pelvic floor muscles and lift the pelvic floor. So that closure, that squeeze is kind of, um, activating that like superficial layer of muscles, that big figure eight on the outside. And then that lift comes a little bit more from our deeper group, um, of pelvic floor muscles that help to kind of pick up this area. So when we think of just a, a Kegel or a Kegel in isolation, that is the pelvic floor exercise. The problem that comes around this exercise is that it is often given to people kind of just as like a blanket statement of, oh, you should just do your Kegels. Or uh, maybe someone has delivered a baby and they go back to their provider six weeks postpartum and, hey, take a look, are things healing okay? Anything I should be aware of? Anything that I should be concerned about? Like, nope, everything's good. Maybe you're like, I'm still leaking a little or I still feel this like heaviness or pressure, um, whatever it may be. And the provider's quick response is just like, oh, it's normal after delivery. Just do some Kegels and you'll be okay. Yeah, no, that is not at all correct. Um, other times it's things like my pelvic floor feels weak or I feel a heaviness or I'm not having, um, so like you might feel that when you're exercising or going for a walk, going on a hike, or it's things like my sex life isn't as good as it used to be. And the answer is just like, here's a sheet of exercises, just do some Kegels and you'll be fine. Um, I've had patients come in and they'll tell me, my doctor told me to do a hundred Kegels every single day. I'm like, cool, that's not going to do it. Um, so 
that's kind of the, the normal things we hear in the PT clinic. And I'm sure there are a lot of other stories of very similar experiences or things you've been told. Um, but not everyone needs to do a Kegel exercise or a pelvic floor squeeze and lift. And there's a lot of reasons. And we kind of went into them in that last podcast where we talked about a tight pelvic floor versus a weak pelvic floor. So some of the first reasons people come to see me, especially like postpartum is they are told to do Kegels and they come in and they're like, honestly, I don't even know if I'm doing them right. And I kind of laugh. I'm like, yeah, that's totally fair. You might not be. So the one thing that we can do in the clinic is actually assess what are you doing for your Kegel exercises? Are you actually able to coordinate a squeeze and a lift? Um, is there something going on with the way the brain is talking to the muscles? Or maybe is there like a muscle injury? Sometimes can happen with child delivery, um, amongst other things. So is there something happening that's actually impeding your ability to engage these muscles as they should? Um, so that's step one is just kind of having people work to tap into these muscles, kind of figure out what they are. It's no different than when we teach like diaphragmatic breathing or how to engage their abdominal muscles. Like if you don't do it, you really aren't sure how to do it. But then once you're shown, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. I got this. I can figure it out. Um, and kind of progress it from here. So we start by just saying, can we do them appropriately? We're also looking at sometimes I have someone who can squeeze and lift, but at the same time they hold their breath. And so that's not doing us any favors. And so we are making sure that we are addressing when you're doing this, we're going to couple it with breathing because we do the same thing with lifting. If I'm going to have a patient, um, pick up a child or lift a bag of mulch or pick up a weight, I'm going to have them coordinate breathing with that exhale, work on the breathing with the effort. So I'm going to have them exhale in the effort. So when we are lifting, moving heavy objects, things like that, I want to make sure we're able to respond to that increase abdominal pressure. And by doing that, we're going to incorporate pelvic form breathing. So Pelvic floor activation isn't inherently bad. I think it's just overprescribed and overprescribed without function associated to it and without any kind of understanding as to why we're supposed to be using these muscles or how we're supposed to use them. So that's kind of the the issue behind them and what the deal is as far as just like why have they become such a problematic thing? Why are you seeing maybe some um, pelvic floor providers in your area say things like just say no to Kegels or don't do Kegels? They're not bad. I give them to my patients. Um, I may have them engage the pelvic floor with a breath and a TA and then do a step up. Like I might, I'm going to make it more functional if I'm going to have someone strengthen. Um, but a lot of times we're actually going to start by having to downtrain or relax the pelvic floor first, which again, we chatted about last episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. It might make a little more sense as we're going through this today. I'll link that in the show notes below. So one, people might not know how to do them correctly. Another reason there's kind of some issue around it is some people have pelvic floor tightness or tension. Um, and so Kegels may make them actually worse. Uh, an interesting kind of side observation is there is a lovely little chair and now there's a lovely pair of shorts and these devices that like make you do thousands of Kegels. Well, the problem can be if a patient has a pelvic floor, that's actually tight or over tense or contracting too much that actually increases the problem or maybe may give them pain. I've had some patients come to me after utilizing, um, either the, the chair or the shorts and have more pain and problems. And so we are having to address like, Hey, your pelvic floor actually was a little bit more tense or tight before you started that treatment method. And what you've done is just kind of fed into that and made it ramped up, especially when we look at like the chair, which boosts saying like, uh, we can do thousands of contractions in 20 minutes. That's fine. I mean, 
We won't go into why that's not really fine, but that's fine if we don't have problems, right? Strengthening is not bad. We, we really want strength. We want endurance in our muscles, but if we have pelvic floor that's already tight, this is not ideal. So, um, we just want to make sure that we are not utilizing an exercise technique that's going to make a problem worse. So that's the other thing when patients are just told blanket, you know, you're leaking pee after delivery, do a bunch of Kegels, you'll be fine. Eh, What we haven't dived into though, as a provider necessarily is, well, they also have muscle guarding as a result of their delivery. And they had some tearing and that stitching and healing has created some tension in the muscles. And so while they're strengthening, they're making that tension worse. And so now we've got a problem of we're leaking and we're having pain. And so our goal in pelvic PT or pelvic OT, just pelvic therapy in general, is to make sure that we know if our patients are too, muscles are too tense prior to strengthening them, because again, we want to relax and lengthen and then strengthen. Shout out to the last episode. So the other thing to consider is we also need to make sure that we are activating the muscles around the pelvic floor to help give it um, just kind of like a full body approach, making sure that we're translating everything into function. And so we find if we have weakness in places like our adductors and our abductors, so the muscles that um, like move our knees, or our legs together, and the muscles that pull our legs away from our body, um, kind of in that plane, or our hip rotators. Um, this is like opening the knees out like a butterfly pose, or kind of twisting the knees together, kind of putting like our ankles out. That's um, internal and external rotation of the hip. And so those muscles, um, need to be strong and coordinated to increase closure around the urethra, uh, make sure the pelvic floor muscles are firing as they should. And so it's super important to not only just give someone a Kegel, but make sure we're strengthening the areas around it as well. So that's another thing we give just this blanket, do your Kegels, you'll be fine. Well, not really. If we also are having some weakness in like our glute mead, um, maybe in our obturators and things like that. So trying to make sure that we are doing this from a whole body approach. And then we have to look at, are we able to actually engage these pelvic floor muscles in our functional positions? Like standing, like what happens if someone sits or someone stands? Um, I have some patients who find doing a pelvic floor engaging exercise is easier when they're seated because they get the feedback of the chair or the surface they're sitting on, um, on that perineal body. So they can actually feel themselves moving away from the chair, um, as opposed to being on their back where they don't get any kind of touch recept, proprioception or touch feedback, tactile cueing from anything. But then once they stand, it gets harder, right? Gravity's at play. Now we stand, we have the weight of our organs on our pelvic floor from the belly. Gravity is pulling everything towards the ground anyway. And so that makes it even more challenging to activate the pelvic muscles. So in this case, we like to stand up and see, okay, in a standing assessment, what's happening to the pelvic floor? Are we able to engage these muscles while we're on a hike or doing an exercise or lifting or whatever the activity may be? And so again, this is another example of why we can't just say, just do some Kegels. Well, you might do them a beautifully laying on your back, but once you stand up, it's a lot more challenging. Maybe we're not coordinating appropriately. Maybe this is where as we go to stand or even squat, instead of doing a pelvic floor engagement, we're actually bulging out and we don't realize it. It just happens. And so what we can do is assess that and then give you feedback and help to correct for any um, kind of compensations or poor movement management or movement strategies. Sometimes that they are useful 
is whenever we are trying to use the pelvic floor for something called the knack or urge suppression. Um, and so for the knack, what this is, is we're looking at when we're assessing, um, can you engage the pelvic floor prior to an increase in intra-abdominal pressure? In this situation, we're thinking like a cough, a laugh, a sneeze. So if I have someone cough, I want to see, is their pelvic floor engaged or does it bulge? Does it push out and just let go? And then, then we can kind of start to correlate. Okay. Well, every time you sneeze, your pelvic floor is not actually engaging ahead of time kind of in a preemptive way. It's just bulging down and letting the stress go. In which case, yeah, it makes sense that when you cough a couple times in a row, you're going to get a little leakage because you're just pushing, pushing, pushing on that abdomen or on that bladder from those abdominal contents. So we will give the knack to patients as a way to start to retrain the brain. Just, I tell them every time you cough, laugh, sneeze, pull those muscles in ahead of time, um, to help just retrain the muscles to kick in kind of as like a reflex instead. The other time we use this exercise, this pelvic floor engagement is during things like urge suppression. So if I teach someone how to suppress the urge to go to the bathroom, once I have cleared and made sure this is an appropriate time to do it, that our muscles aren't too tight, that our muscles are actually able to coordinate and that we're not compensating in ways that we don't want to compensate. Uh, I might teach them how to utilize the pelvic floor with an urge suppression to calm the bladder and to buy us some time to go to the bathroom. So All that's to say, Kegels aren't inherently a bad thing. This is not like the worst thing ever. And this is coming from someone who has a side hustle, which yes, I'll drop that as well on the bottom um, of some fun, just like pelvic health stickers. And several of them are just say no to Kegels. Really, it's just say no to Kegels in isolation. Just say no to someone blanket statement saying, do your Kegels. That's all you need to do. Your pelvic floor will be much better. Well, that's not true because we've just looked at the fact that we are typically told just to do the exercise without anyone checking to see it. Do we have tension in our muscles, which may make the problems that we're having worse because we're strengthening tight muscles already instead of relaxing before we strengthen. Um, some people just don't know that they're even doing them correctly. That might lead to someone not doing them. So you tell them do hundred a day. Well, if they don't even know how to do it, they're like, this is a waste of my time. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to do hundred of them. Well, you're not wrong. If you don't know how to do them, you are wasting your time. Um, and then making sure that, you know, it's important that we're activating muscles around it to help improve the strength of the pelvic floor. And so we don't want to just give these in isolation. We need to do them with other exercises and make it more function-based. Keeping in mind that they can be useful for things like retraining the brain on how to engage these muscles, delaying the urge to go to the bathroom, creating closure around the pelvic floor muscles. Um, sometimes we think of Kegels as not being functional. I don't know anyone who's had a um, a vulva or, or penis doesn't matter. Anyone who has a urethra needs to pee or has ever had to pee in a cup, whether it's to do STI screenings, UTI testing, pregnancy testing, or really just kind of any testing that goes along with going to a medical provider who says we need a urine sample. You get a cup and your bladder potentially has more in it than that cup. And so you got to go and get enough in the cup to fill past the line or whatever their requirement is. And then you need to stop the flow or get pee all over your hands. You know, we've all been there and done either one of them. And so in that case, it is helpful to be able to squeeze and pull those pelvic floor muscles in to stop the flow and then move the cup and continue and empty your bladder fully and the rest of it, the toilet. So it is, it is an important thing to be able to do, but we have to consider everything we've reviewed. Is there tension? Are we able to coordinate them correctly? Are we utilizing the muscles around it to make sure we're strengthening the pelvic floor the best way we possibly can? 
So it is not just a one size fits all exercise. Um, that being said, we're going to throw one last disclaimer in here. Do not sit on the toilet and empty your bladder a little and then stop the flow. That is what we call a stop test. I will give that to my patients occasionally. If someone's really struggling or not sure if they can do it at all, and I'm having them do it and I'm giving them my feedback of what I feel, but they just aren't seeing it, aren't feeling it. I will have them. And I am very explicit. I want you to try this one time. It is not an exercise. I don't want you doing this every time you go to the bathroom, but sit on the toilet. When you start to pee, try to stop it. Just, just observe what happens. Can I slow it down? Can I stop it at all? Do I feel like I have no control? I just need that information, but do not make this an exercise. I don't want you to get good at it. I just want you to observe what happens in your body, move on with the day because that gives me some information to help them, but that also gives them some feedback because then they realize if I have them try it a little while later, after we've been doing some strengthening, then they come in and say, I actually was able to really slow it down, almost stop it this time. I'm like, cool. So you can see that it's getting better, but doing your Kegels on the pelvic or on the toilet to stop, you know, engage pelvic floor, stop the flow of urine should not be used as an exercise. You walk into the bathroom, your body and brain is like, cool, this is our safe place. This is where we get to pee or poop or do anything we need. You sit down or stand, you start to let it go. And then you squeeze those pelvic floor muscles and try to stop it. And now your pelvic floor is like, what the heck? And your brain is like, what the heck? This was my safe place. This is where I'm supposed to let go and go and let everything out. But then now I'm told not to, I have to hold it in and I'm just not sure what to do. It's confusing. So that is the reason we don't want to use this stop test as an exercise, because we don't want to get things confused. Like I said, once every couple weeks to couple months, if I have a patient try it out because they aren't figuring it out in other ways, fine. But it is not something I have anyone do as an exercise. If you've had a provider tell you to do this as an exercise, especially like, oh yeah, just do your Kegels a couple times on the toilet while you're peeing. Mm -mm, Don't do it. Just stop, move on, do something else. Um, If you have questions, DM me, I will happily clarify that for you. So Hopefully this sheds some new light onto what the deal is with Kegel exercises. As a recap, it was first described as just pelvic floor strengthening. We have to remember that if patients have, or if we have muscles that are too tight, if we're not sure if we're doing them correctly and we're not engaging them in a functional manner, it's not as beneficial as it could be, um, that they can be super useful for retraining our brain, for delaying the urge to go to the bathroom, even if we have to give a urine sample, things like that. So being able to engage these muscles is important. If they weren't, there wouldn't be an entire field wrapped around it, but we are much more than just a Kegel exercise and the ability to stop the flow of urine. Um, hopefully from the last few episodes, you started to pick up on that and all the different things that we're able to provide as, um, you know, providers in this specialized world. And so we are much more than Kegels. You are, you deserve much more than Kegels as far as exercises for your pelvic floor. So if you have any questions on that, definitely, um, send me a message, you know, reach out to me on Instagram. I can be reached by email. All of that information on how to get a hold of us is in the show notes. Um, and I hope this is super helpful and can't wait to chat with you again. Um, we got some fun, different topics coming up. We have, um, a few requests for some topics, so I'm going to be, um, probably diving into those in the next couple of sessions. So until next time, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and hopefully we'll be bringing back the beer of the podcast soon. We're still in kind of our batching, um, time right now because I am 
headed out of town for the next couple weeks for some things like a conference con continuing ed and a wedding. So, um, we'll be back to having our beer. And then at that point we can cheers for real, but until then, cheers. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice or professional services. Please reach out to your primary care provider if you need any assistance.